Welcome to C3 Church Central Coast Sermon Cast. We pray that you'll be inspired and impacted by this message and trust that you're better equipped to live your best life. We don't naturally know how to be full of hope. But we're called to this amazing hope. And so my prayer today is that you also would be enlightened a little like, oh, yes, I have this amazing hope, this amazing future. And I want us to get a hold of this future because hope is is wonderful. It's fantastic. And we've got to know what hope is. It means we have a certain buoyancy and a certain joy. But if we look at hope in the world, the word hope, sort of has a bit of doubt in it. It has a, well, I hope so. It's like, maybe, maybe not in the world. There's, there's a sense that they don't, there's not hope. And that's very true because the Bible says this, when the wicked man dies, his hope perishes. The expectation of the godless comes to nothing. We don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. The rest of mankind, as in there's us, and then there's the rest of mankind, and they have no hope. And that's why they're so freaked out by death. You know, the, the idea that anyone would have to go through the death penalty, which, by the way, God ordained originally in the Old Testament, just putting it out there. But um, God doesn't have a problem with death, because death just means we finish our time on earth, and then we come and be with him. He's not freaked out about death. But man is, mankind is, people without God are, they're freaked out by it. It, it frightens them because there's nothing left. But we're not worried about death. doesn't worry me. Sort of looking forward to it, actually. <laughs> but not yet. I want to, no, 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 I'm going to go, I've got a, a long time to go yet. I've got work to do. So for non-Christians, hope is, is mournful and weak and full of doubt. But hope, actually the word for us is different. We almost need a different word. It's strong. It's a gift from God and it means a confident expectation of something in the future. It means a pleasurable sense of looking forward to something good. So it's, it's confident. Our hope is confident. Our hope is <gasps> something good's going to happen. It's going to get better. It's up there. I, I, that's our hope. So, you know, the, our, we are the original positive thinkers because we just keep having this, well, it's going to get better. Well, God's on the throne. Well, he's in charge. That's hope for the Christian. It's positive and it's, and it's exciting. And God makes it very clear. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. So our future and our hope. He says, I know the plans. And that word there, he says, to give you an expected end. I was looking at all the meanings of hope and future and end and all those kinds of words. And the expected end there is one of the terms, it actually means a cord, if you look at it, to give you a, 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 like a cord, like an attachment. It's actually like this attachment that we've got into heaven. And then I thought, well, that goes in exactly with what the New Testament says about hope. We who have fled to God for refuge have a mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grab and hold fast the hope appointed and set before us. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Now, the concept of an anchor in those days was was really comforting because shipwrecks were a big deal. 
Shipwrecks were like car car crashes today. It happened a lot and it frightened people a lot. And, you know, so having an anchor that held you firm during the storm was a, was a very nice feeling, you know, but for us, it's a little bit like having a decent set of brakes. It's like, you know, ah, we need to be able to stop. We need to be able to, you know, have a, it's nothing. I mean, I've never been in a car where the brakes don't work, but I can imagine that's a very frightening experience. <laughs> but, you know, so there again, that, that concept of being anchored or being attached by a rope to something, except that it's not down, it's up. So there's that, the, both terms use this sense of attachment, this sense of accord, and it's, it goes up into heaven. So we're, we're anchored, we're attached by hope to heaven because it says, it says that, that this enters the presence behind the veil. It enters the presence. So our hope goes all the way into heaven and it's in the presence of God. And so we need to grab a hold of this hope and it's our, it's our attachment, if you like. It's our, it's our going forward. And we know, we know that we've got every reason to hope because it's like we're going up. And all along the way, all sorts of things are going to happen to us in life, but we're all, we're going up. We're, we're going up and, and there's always hope. There's always, no matter, you know, I've come, I haven't expected things to happen. When I look back in my life and said, well, I hope to get married, I hope to have kids and all that. But there were some things and I, they weren't on my list that have happened to me already. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I didn't expect this to happen, God. I didn't expect that. And anyone who's been around for a while knows that there are some things in life that, you, uh, uh, what? I didn't think that was part of my, my, my plan. But, but that doesn't mean hope ends. That just means that we get there and go, okay, now how do I hope through this? How do I see, how do I have a confident expectation of good now that this has happened? Because hope doesn't end. It doesn't stop just because something happened that we weren't expecting. The hope, the expectation is of good. It's of God. Our hope is not in this, this and this will happen. Our hope is in God. Sometimes that means this, this, and this will happen, but not necessarily. So let me tell you, take you to a mining accident that happened in 2010. In uh, Chile, some of you will know about this, northern Chile, they had a copper and gold mine that was rather um, decrepit, not very safe, had a bad safety record. And so they had a massive um, cave-in and... Um, a lot of the miners got married. Some of them were able to get out straight away, but there was a, a group of miners, 33, Los 33 they call them, the, the 33. I don't know, 33 in Spanish, but anyway. Um, they were trapped 700 metres below the ground. So they were in, a, in a, an emergency shelter there and they had it around them about two kilometres of tunnels that they could access. They had a, a small stock of food in that shelter that was designed to last for two or three days. And they were completely cut off from the world and no one knew, even if they were alive. So it was very hot and very dark, although they had their miners' lights, but they had to, um, you know, be careful how they use them. And so when that happened, there was 33 of them. A couple of them were uh, very experienced miners. There was a couple of um, professionals and there was a few workers. There was a, a, a group of them, different group. But they they had to... They, the, there was one guy in particular who sort of took the lead. A few of them took the lead, but they had to, they had to keep their morale up and hope for salvation. But they knew that it was grim because this particular mine had a very, very poor record. They didn't even have great, they didn't even, like, they, they said a lot of them kept thinking about this other mine that had, had recently collapsed and they just, after a few days, the owners just said, oh well, they're dead, you know. So they knew that that could very easily happen to them. But partly because of some of the wives who just, 
wouldn't let go and wouldn't give up. They started to, to push and push and push for, for some sort of resolution to keep looking for them, not to give up. And so the company started to, to drill to try and see if they could find them. And they, they would hear the drill coming down and then stop near them and then, you know, hear it coming down, stop near them. And so this happened for 17 days. So that's more than two weeks they were down there. No one knew if they were alive. They didn't know if anyone knew about them. And so it was a fairly desperate sort of situation. And it says here that they, um, they looked for escape route. They worked together to maintain morales. And some of the older miners helped to support the younger men who um, had, you know, they pretty much freaked out because they say they took an oath of silence not to reveal certain details of what happened during the early weeks of desperation. <laughs> so you can imagine how some of them probably lost their minds in fear and worry if they weren't saved. But anyway, 17 days after the accident, a drill finally penetrated the area they were in. So they heard it coming, heard it coming, and then through it came. And they had a note ready. They wrote in red, and they wrapped it around it, and it basically said, we are well in Spanish. We are well in the shelter, the 33 of us. And that's, that sign went back up, and then they found and it came up to the top, and they saw it, the sign. They're like, they're alive. So it just became, I don't know if you remember it, but it became an enormous worldwide event because not just the mining company, but the Chilean government got completely involved and put all their resources into saving them. And they, they didn't have enough. So it became a worldwide event to save them. And I was just having fun reading about it. They had not just the government, but three large international drilling teams. NASA got involved. Several dozen multinational companies from every continent were involved in the global effort to get them out because it was just it was very, very difficult. And, you know, I don't know much about drilling, but even um, an Australian-built raised borer-type drilling rig was used. So Australia got involved and all the nations got involved. And it was a global effort. It was watched by the whole world. And it took, because even then it was extremely dangerous because at any point in drilling, the whole thing could collapse in on them. So they were, even though that they had been found after 17 days, they were underneath for, uh, for 70 days before they were brought up. So it took a long, long time for them to be rescued. And in the meantime, two tubes were sent down, like little, you know, tubes this big were sent down, and that's how they got their supplies to them, and that's how they even got a camera down, filmed them, and all sorts of things. And they sent them down Bibles, and they sent them down food, obviously, and all sorts of things. And while they were down there, they became, they were mostly Catholics, but a lot of them were deeply religious. They built a, ca- a chapel, they got Bibles, and they were praying and seeking God. And it was just like a miracle for them to be discovered and to be found. But this story, which I, I looked at a documentary about this a while ago, it came to mind because those tubes are like hope. You know, that's what hope is like. It's, you, it's like we know we're connected to, to heaven. You know, those tubes to me were a great symbol of hope. And everything I need, see, we don't just hope, oh, well, life here is going to be absolutely hopeless, so we'll just put up with it. And our hope is in heaven. One day it'll all be good. No, we've got this connection, and the idea isn't just that we've got this wonderful, glorious future, which we do have, and that's a great hope, but we bring heaven to earth. The hope is that we can we can go into the presence, where it says we that, that hope goes into the presence, not just then, but now we can go into the presence of God and get a hold of things and bring it to earth. And that's what happened for them. They, they've got these tubes now. It's like, what do you need? Bibles. What do you need? Food. So they could bring their needs and their supplies to earth. So 
And, and they know that their rescue is coming. They know that, that they're going to be okay. So you can imagine the hope they had. And that's what, like, what it is for us, that we have this wonderful sense of connection to the presence of God, which is extraordinary. And everything we need is there. And no matter how dark or miserable or scary our situation is, we have hope, which is like this cord that attaches us to the presence of God and everything we need we can get a hold of through hope, through believing. So Romans fifteen thirteen says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So he wants us to not just have some hope, but to abound means overflow. So it's an over, oh, it's going to work out. It's going to be good. It's going to get better. He wants us to overflow with hope. Just to, I love that concept that he wants us to overflow. And it says, fill you with joy and peace in believing. Now, faith and hope obviously are connected. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing, but, but hope comes by character testing. Did you know that? It's a very interesting point. You wouldn't think that you'd get hope by character testing, but actually when you, um, the Bible says that uh, just find it because I'm going all over the show here. Now, he says this. Because you, you might think, how, what, how does hope come through? Sure, if you go through suffering and difficult things that you lose hope. But the Bible says the opposite because it says this. We rejoice in suffering knowing that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. Character produces hope. So faith comes when we hear from God and we go, okay, I've got it. It's for now. Faith is for now. Faith means I'm saved now. I'm healed now. I know I've got a hold of something now. But hope is in our future. And character and faith is when we hear something and it locks into our spirit and says, it's mine. I've got that. But hope, you know, hope's not so clear exactly what we've got, except that we know it's going to be good. And, and we know it's going to work out. So, so hope comes when we've been through some sort of testing or trial and it says, and it produces character or, or provenness. It's, the word is actually testedness. It's not a word we have in English. It means we've been proven. And so you go through something difficult and then you wrote, you know what? I got through that okay. I'm alive. God, God was here. God, I can go through these things and I'm okay. And that gives me hope for the next time it happens. And that makes me realize God is bigger than these problems. God is stronger than this issue. We got through that. That's where hope comes from. It comes from being tested and your character getting stronger and realizing it's going to be all right. It's all right. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. When you're young, you haven't been through any tests, something happens, you're like, oh, your whole world falls apart. But as you get older, you go, no, that's all right. You know, a little car crash, whatever. Are you alive? Good. Well, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll get a new car or whatever you go through. You know, you, you, you get, you get hope. You're more positive because you know, God brought me through that. He'll bring, bring me through more. So we, we can rejoice and, and know that when we're going through difficult times and suffering times, our hope is going to be stronger. Our hope is going to be stronger. And even if sometimes you feel like, well, you know, it's too late for me. I've made a real, a real mess of my life, Ruth. You don't know I'm tired or worn out. There's always hope. Don't give up on hope. I've got this great painting I want you to see. Show us the painting, Brother Andrew. So there is a nice painting of Jesus that was in a, a chapel in uh, a Spanish city of Borja, Borja. And uh, it's a little bit worn out, though, and it was a little bit faded. I don't know if you can see, but it needed restoration, and it wasn't doing too well. So um, you might feel a little bit like that. I need a little bit of restoration. I'm not doing too well, God. I feel a bit, 
you know, a bit tired. I, 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 oh, look, there, you can see, that, that's even better. I don't know, it suddenly got worse. <laughs> so, you know, you might feel a bit like that. You might feel like, I am worn out and tired and I need restoration and I, it's just, I'm just had it, I'm past it, you know. And so you might sort of think, well, I'll, I'll have a go, I'll try and fix myself up, I'll get someone to help me, I'll go to this counsellor, I'll go to that counsellor. And in this story, the, the person that tried to fix, fix this up was a lady called, um, what was her name? Cecilia Gimenez. So let's see what Cecilia Gimenez did to touch up the painting. There it is. That was her famous touch-up. So thanks. We're going to have the lights back on. So we just, I just wanted you to really see her restoration work. Just show us, show us before and after again, Andrew, because it's just a classic. I mean, look at that. You can Google it. There it is, like, you know, genuine painting. And then to the new one. So this is, this is how some of us feel. First of all, we feel, that's hilarious. If you haven't seen it, I love it. So first of all, we feel like I'm worn out and tired. I need a bit of restoration. So then all, you know, whether it's physically or spiritual, whatever. So then we, we go to get it from the church or from, from the doctor or from the counselors or whatever. And then they, they do this botch up job on us like this. And we think, Phew, I'm worse off than I was before. And maybe you feel like that. And maybe you feel like, Oh God, now what? But this is what I want to say. You never can lose hope. Things happen that you don't expect. I didn't expect that doctor to say that. I didn't expect my husband to do this. I didn't expect that. And I now I feel like I'm worse off. But there's always hope. I want you to know the Bible says there is a future hope for you. Your hope will never be cut off. Proverbs 23, 16. Don't you love that? Your hope will never be cut off. Hope doesn't stop. So even if things don't work out the way you expected, God isn't surprised. So hope, we still have hope. We We sort of have to adjust what we were believing for a little bit. We go, oh, okay, well, I've got to adjust a bit. But we can we can do that. And in this particular story, it's quite cute because after it happened, somebody put it on the internet, you know, and the poor woman, she just she's just some local woman that thought she'd have a bit of a go. Has anyone ever had a bit of a go at painting and thought, oh, it can't be that hard? Come on. You know, so and then you have a bit of a go and you just have a go. And then you go, that looks absolutely terrible. They might, maybe they have got some skill, these artists. But anyway, she was probably like that. Um, it became a global internet phenomenon. And um, she went into hiding because she was so ashamed and embarrassed. But then, and this is where the hope kicks in, you never know how things are going to work out. Because then, all of a sudden, everybody wanted to come and see the new painting. And even some people go, no, it's... It's actually amazing. It's sort of like a modernist sort of perception of Jesus, you know, those sort of people. They said that. But but they've had 40,000 visitors, and this was just the most, what I was looking at. It's probably had more since then. So they've, they've become a tourist attraction. Nobody ever looked at this painting before, but now everybody's coming, and they they have raised 50,000 euros for the local local charities. So now it's sort of become a thing and now they're famous and we're talking about it and it's funny. And this woman, Cecilia Gimenez, who at first was anonymous and didn't want anyone to know, all of a sudden she's like, well, I did it. And now she wants some of the royalties from the painting. She's actually claiming some of them for, for her, no, for her charity. So, but you see, so what looks like a disaster, actually God can switch around and says, always hope. So maybe you feel like you're in a situation where it's a disaster. Well, keep having hope. You never know how God is going to move things around so that what was looking like it would never work is going to work. And so we would just keep that spirit of, of hoping in God no matter what comes and hoping generally 
All things work together for good. Generally, Christ in me, the hope of glory. I'm getting better. General, there's a, hope has a certain general nature about it. We can get specific about it, but that's where we start to move into faith. Well, because faith and hope are, you know, they're very closely connected. So let's just look at a few more elements of, of, of hope. Our hope has to be in God, not in self, not in man, not in government, not in family, not in your company, not in your boss. Don't look to people for hope. Jeremiah says this, cursed is the man who trusts in man. Cursed. He will inhabit the parched places in the wilderness. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. He will be like a tree planted by waters. So, you know, if you just imagine that image, that's like the miners trusting in each other. Like, like, and not, I'm not going to look at, I'm not going to trust in that, those, those tubes. They might break. So let's not, let's just ignore them and let's just see how we can survive together here underground. It's like, it doesn't, that, that would be stupid. You haven't got enough food. You and yet that's what we do sometimes. When we're trusting in man, we're essentially trusting in what's happening underground, what's happening down here. And we're ignoring God's provision. And that's why we're cursed because it must be very frustrating for God to the point even of being, you know, dishonoring to God. He's like, ah, oh, I'm going to bless you and do all this. And we're like, no, no, I've got to, I've got to ask this man what he thinks. And, and I see people do that. They say, well, he says this. And I'm like, but what does the Bible say? What does God say? Well, or, well, he didn't give me the money that they said and he didn't provide for me. Well, well so what? What about God? He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Like, if you are finding yourself too disappointed in people and too discouraged by what someone has done, it may be that you're putting too much trust in them. Now, of course, people will make us sad and all that, but it shouldn't rock us so much because our hope is in God. Our hope is in God. In every sense, man can only offer us so much help. Our hope is in God. So keep that sense of how our hope is in God. And let's see some of the results of hope. Let's see some of the results of hope. Hope gives us joy. Through Christ, we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we can stay happy. We can stay buoyant in hope. It says the hope of the righteous is gladness. It keeps us happy. Remember when you were a kid and you just had so much, you're so excited about Christmas? I I just... And I, it's so sad when you get to that place where it doesn't quite happen anymore. But you know when you're really little and Christmas is like the, the most exciting thing in the world and you can't wait to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. It's just like, ah. Oh. Who remembers that feeling of, of incredible hope? And you knew it was going to be good. You just knew it was going to be good. And so, you know, that's the hope that God wants us to have. He wants us to be like little children. It's like, I know it's going to be good. I know it's going to get better. Even if you don't quite get the present that you want, I know that God's going to bless me. That's the hope he wants us to have. He wants us to know that things are going to get better. Now, I'm not saying that life will get easier. I'm not. I think, I think we've got to be careful because we, we're full of hope and we're full of excitement as Christians and especially as Pentecostals. You know, it's like, yeah, believe God. Like, it's all going to be. I don't know if your life is going to get easier or harder, actually. I don't know if you've got a big test coming around the corner or, or I don't know if, you know, no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. You know what I'm saying? No one expects a tsunami. No one expects 9-11. I, I mean, really, if you look at Bible prophecies, it says the whole world's going to fall apart. And it's gonna, we're coming into some, some seriously scary times. So I'm not saying your life or life generally is going to get better. 
But I am saying that our hope in God, that God in us is going to get better. We are going to have more glory. We're going to see things that maybe, whoa, I didn't expect this, but we will be better. We will be stronger. And so in those challenges and sufferings, we go back to that thing where it says we rejoice in sufferings knowing that this will produce character and test us more so we'll have more hope. So sometimes I think we can be specific, but that's faith. Sometimes we say, well, I really, I really hope to get married, God. Is that, is, that in my, is that part of your plan? And we can you know, work it out in faith, and that's a whole, a whole other message. But, but I'm not saying that everything's going to get easier. I'm just going to say that our, our hope is higher and our sense of joy is, is more because we know we're going to have more of God. Can you see the distinction there? I think it's important to make because I've met a few Pentecostal Christians that are a little bit discouraged because they came in to Pentecostal churches at 20 and they heard, ah, it's going to be awesome, this, this, this and this. And then it didn't all happen the way they want. They went, oh, that faith stuff doesn't work. And some of them even wandered away from Pentecostal churches and wandered back into churches that aren't so full of hope because they think, yeah, you just got to cope with suffering. But I say suffering produces hope. I say, no, 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 no. We'll still go through the tough times, but I'm going to stay full of faith and full of hope because I've got more of the glory of God. I've got more anointing on my life. I might be attacked by bigger sicknesses, but I've got more faith. I might be attacked by bigger issues, but I've got more wisdom because I've got more of the glory of God. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's actually quite exciting, even when you go through suffering. And that's why we can have this joy in the hope of the glory of God. So then he says, also, I set the Lord before me, and because he's at my right hand, I will not be moved. And my flesh, look at this, will rest in hope. So hope makes us joyful. Hope makes us relax. Hope makes life easy. It says my flesh, my body can relax with hope. So because God's with me, because I know he's on my side, I'm not all stressed out like, I'm not all worried. I can relax knowing, you know what, God's going to work it out. My flesh will rest in hope. I love that. That's so beautiful. Hope purifies us. Who knew this? This, this? Listen to this. We are God's children. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we will be like him. Because we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as Christ is pure. So, oh, this is good because sometimes the thing that most lets us down is ourselves. That most discourages us is our own weaknesses and our own inability to change. But the Bible says that when we see him, we will be like him. It's such a great thought to think, I'll finally be me. I'll finally be the me I'm meant to be, the me I'm trying to be, you know, but the me I'm not. And I just, <sighs> but, but we're going to be like Jesus. We're going to be gorgeous. We're all going to be young. For those of you over 50, we're going to look kind of, what, 25 again. So that'll be good. And that's, you know, the, the book about the boy that went to heaven which is, um, there's one that's not true and one that is true. So <laughs> one guy admitted he made it all up. The other guy said, no, I didn't make it up. But anyway, um, and he, when he was there, he, he met his, uh, I think it was his great-grandfather. And, um, and he talked to him and he asked him about his kids, how they're going and all this. And when he came back to earth, because he'd, he'd had an operation and got, he'd sort of died, um, they, his parents, he said something about, 
the great-grandfather his name or something. And the parents thought that you don't know that because they, they didn't know if it was true or not. So they were sort of sussing him out. But he kept saying all these things that he didn't know. And he said the name of it, and they thought, hey, you can't know that. And then they thought, so they went and got a picture of great-granddaddy and showed it to him. So they, le- they left it there and, and said, who's that? And, don't know, never seen him. And they were like, oh, well, you know, maybe, maybe not. But then one of them thought, hang on a sec. So then they went and got a picture of great-granddaddy when he was 25. And they didn't even tell him it was great-granddaddy. They just they hadn't got around to showing it to him. They just left it on the table. And he went up to it and went, oh, there's, there's my pop. He called him pop or whatever. There, that's pop. And he recognised him because he was he was young, so that's that's hopeful, isn't it? <laughs> Don't have to worry about all that Botox, girls. Who needs that? We've got we've got the glory soon. So um, so that's something to to be hopeful for. What we're going to look like in heaven, but but knowing that not just how we look, but that we are perfect and beautiful. It says that hope purifies us, because. We're so grateful and so excited about the possibility of going to heaven. Not only does it mean that we open our hearts to God to change us, but we make that effort as well. So it works together. We, we can't do it ourselves. God does it to me, but I'll do everything I can. If you ever meet someone who says, oh, no, I'm going to heaven, and then so I don't have to worry about being holy now, it's like, well, you, you don't understand. Because if you really have that hope of heaven, you're so grateful and so humble that you do everything you can to be ready for it. You, you, you know, that the hope purifies us. And then it says this, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. So they can see it. So, you know, we really are meant to be a positive, hopeful people because it says, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who says, ask you for the reason for the hope you have. What the reason, what? Why are you, what, what is it about you? We, we should be, it should be evident. People should ask us, what, what is it about you? And I know, I'm sure most of you have had that kind of experience. Why are you so happy? Why, why aren't you, you know, Harriet, why aren't you all depressed? You just had this big operation. Why, why are you so happy at work? What, you know, people will ask you and then we've got to be ready to give that answer. So we've got this hope. We need to be ready. I remember I went to a, um, a, a government house once for a function with my dad. He was getting his, um, you know, I can't remember, was it OB, what is it? OBE, OAM, one of those ones. He was getting something. And um, so we went there and it was, you know, it was nice and fancy and Dad was being honoured. And then I saw an old school friend. And she came up to me and she just, she just was kind of like, I don't know, she was sort of, it was, it was almost weird how much she was looking at me. And then she started to ask me about my life. So I told her, you know, that I'm serving the Lord and doing all this stuff. And she was really, oh, like... She was, I could tell she wanted God and I encouraged her. I said, you know, you should go to church or something like that. And we chatted for a while and then walked away. And then later on, I prayed for her, obviously. But later on, uh, another friend of mine from church down in Sydney saw the same girl and witnessed to her again. So God was clearly on her case. And she said about me, she said, I saw Ruth. She goes, oh, I know Ruth. I know, she called me Ruth Southwick. She said, yeah, I know her. She goes, she goes to my church. And then she said, when she walked away, I felt like I wanted to grab her and never let her go. That's what she said. She said, when she wa- I wanted, and I didn't know her that well at school, you know, she's not like a, my best mate or anything, but she said, I wanted to grab her and never let you go. And I've, that's not me. That's not, that's Christ in me, the hope of glory. And she's like, oh, I want Jesus, you know, and that's, they should see it and they don't even know why. But that's, we got, we've got an answer so people can see that we, 
we are so blessed. They can see that we go through problems, but we're still full of hope. They see that, that, that things work out for us that shouldn't work out. They can see that. I don't get, how do you do your money? I don't get it. You give all this money away like the, the goodings, and yet you're so blessed and you have all these wonderful things. How does that work out? They, we've, got to, we've got to have an answer for them. Praise God. So let's be full of hope. Let's be full of hope. To the saints, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we, we maintain this hope. We have Christ in us, the hope of glory. We're going to be like him. So our hope is amazing. And in every situation, you remember it said that our hope will not be cut off. So I encourage you, have your eyes enlightened to what it means to have an exciting hope for the future. I encourage you, like it said, that we grab a hold of the hope set before us. We've got to grab a hold of it. Like those miners, it's no good they're sending food down, they're sending all this stuff down. They don't get a hold of it and use it. It's no good sort of just setting up a a thing and going, oh, one day we might be free, one day. You know, that's no good. You've got to get a hold of what's being offered to you. And then finally they sent down the bigger, you know, cage and they were able one by one to go up. Can you imagine when they hit the surface? Can you imagine the joy? Like, it's just like being born again. After all those days down, they're all really skinny, but they, they they were amazing. So, you know, that's the hope for us. We've got... Answers here on earth, we've got a a connection to heaven, into the very presence of God. We've got the hope of glory. We've got Christ in us. We're full of hope. And, And I want you to grab a hold of that hope. And I want your eyes to be enlightened today to how hopeful your situation is. We are not hopeless. We are not finished. We're only getting better. I'm getting better. I'm going to be a better pastor for you, a better mother. We, our church is getting better. We're going to move into 101 and it's going to be better. It's going to be more exciting. I'm full of hope and I want you to be too. We hope you enjoyed this message and feel challenged and encouraged. Please let others know about our podcast so they too can learn, live their best life. You can find out more about our church and ministries at c3cc.org.au. See you next time. God bless.